0: Hi everyone, welcome to a Baseball America College podcast, along with Mike Lananna and Ted Cahill. I'm John Manuel. Jim Schoener's on assignment this morning, um, but we will talk college baseball today on this podcast. We'll talk about our Top 25, which is sponsored by Louisville Slugger, and we'll, of course, bring you another tale of SeatGeek, as SeatGeek and the SeatGeek app sponsor Baseball America's podcast, both pro and college. But let's just dive right in, guys, to the Top 25. It's, it's kind of boring if we want to talk about the top. I'm sure we'll talk SEC, Pac-12, ACC, some of these power conferences uh, that populate the top of the rankings. I thought we'd start off with the bottom of the rankings and some changes at the back uh, this week. We have three new teams in the top 25. Gone are Georgia Tech, Alabama, and East Carolina. Coming into the rankings are College of Charleston, Long Beach State, and Michigan State. And, uh, Ted, we'll start with you. Uh, I think you are – and it's too bad that Jimmer's not here because yeah. – uh, he was uh, bang, he, college of Charleston was his Omaha sleeper. I believe Mike, you and I had Notre, Notre Dame. Maybe yes. to speak, which is under five hundred right now. And got swept by Louisville to start ACC play. No shame in losing the series to Louisville, but <laughs> Notre Dame might still be asleep with the uh, after getting swept. Um, They'll wake up at some point. But, but I, I, I don't share your confidence, but I appreciate <laughs> your confidence. <laughs> but college of Charleston was Jim's. Uh, uh picked a click in his Omaha sleeper, uh Teddy, and you've been banging the drum for first year coach Matt Heath and this team as well. And uh no Monty Lee, no Nick Pappas, no problem. Kyle Charleston so far off to an eleven and four start. And against a, a strong schedule, Teddy, the only series loss was at Florida State and even there they avoided a sweep so What's Charleston doing right, and what what got them ranked?
1: Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, like you said, they're off to a start, strong start. It's eleven and four, and uh, two of those losses are at Florida State, and you know you go down to Tallahassee, and you know that's that's a, a, a really tough series, and and they won on Friday night before Florida State was able to come back and win that series. But so Charleston starts off. You know, with a with a new coach, but the, their pitching has been has been strong. Nathan Helvey there on, on Friday night, and Bailey Ober on Saturday. Those two guys are are kind of leading the charge. But you know, Charleston has shown that they can win um, in multiple different ways. They they beat Mercer uh, at seventeen to twelve on Sunday, so they can win with pitching and they can win with hitting. Um, and, and Matt Heath definitely had inherited a good team that. Uh, They're from Monty Lee. That he, in large part, you know, was he was the recruiting coordinator. Right. So you know, they they bought in very quickly. Uh, it was it was a familiar face, and and he was obviously a, a huge part of of all of those guys uh, getting to Charleston. And he also is a little unique in college baseball. I guess he's not exactly unique. I, I don't know this for one hundred percent, but he is. One of the rare head coaches who both did pitching and hitting mm. while he was an assistant coach, In his first stint at Charleston, I believe it was, he was the pitching coach. He went away and was a scout for a while. He Monty Lee brought him back this time as the hitting coach, and so he can uh, he can do different things. Um, and, and you know they've got they've got a lot of talent on that roster.
0: And um, yeah, I like the, I like the way their team just uh, sets up. You know, you lose. Uh, RBI guy in the middle of the lineup, bat like Pappas, who left the program in the fall. Uh, you know, for a lot of mid majors, or a lot, a lot of teams don't have the depth to replace the, a player of that stature, but they just kind of slid Bra- Bradley Jones over there. And I know that Bradley Jones was right there with him in the middle of the lineup last year. Um, he's kind of a, he's one of my favorite kind of sleeper. I don't know if he's a sleeper prospect, but for this year's draft, a guy who's a left fielder, first baseman for Charleston. But played shortstop in the Valley League last year. I think there's some pro scouts who think he could have it where you could sign him, draft him, and send him out as a third baseman. He's not a, you know, he's a, I guess if you're looking for a comp in this area recently, he's kind of similar to Ryan Cordell, who was at Liberty. Similar physicality, uh, some power, some athleticism. I'm not sure he's quite as athletic as Cordell, but might have a little bit more polished bat and give them a presence uh, in their lineup. And, you know, this is a program that, in general, uh, has hit over the years. They're not really, uh, you know, tearing it up offensively right now. But they they do draw a lot of walks. And like you said, they have some speed. They have some power. They have some different ways to beat you. And I think Ober's just going to get better. Right. He's still coming back from the Tommy John. Um, I remember the week before the season started, he was still you know kind of getting built up. Um, where Coach Heath was uh, communicating with a lot of the area scouts here about uh, keeping them posted on how Ober was progressing. Um, so, this is a, they do have a pretty good one two punch in Halvey and Ober. I would imagine, Teddy, that's going to be a, especially if Ober keeps building up and keeps getting better, that's going to be a formidable one two when it comes regional time.
1: Indeed. And uh, the thing to remember about Ober is I saw them on opening weekend uh, and I saw Ober's first start and he was not at that point even a full year removed from Tommy John. Like the anniversary was the next weekend, I believe. So he really is, uh, you know, it's just good that he's back pitching and, and that he's pitching, you know, reasonably well. He'll get better, you would imagine. And he's always going to be a guy that has to be um, pretty good with his command. He's, he's not overpowering. And that's often the last thing to come back from when, when you're on the recovery from Tommy John. And he's not quite all the way there yet. But in the meantime, Helvey is showing that they have a real Friday night starter even without Ober being that guy yet.
0: That's a good place to start and, and you know pitching has been the hallmark of Long Beach State's program and Mike uh, we brought the beach we brought the, the dirt bags the beach the 49ers <laughs> they they go by many names right now they go by number 24 right. um, and it's kind of been a long time coming for Troy Buckley I know you talked to him yesterday Teddy but I mean like what 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 made us rank Long Beach State, Mike, what made us put them 24? Right, well,
2: you know, you look at their resume the 10-5, and 5, they've played a tough schedule so far, you know, you look at their last three weekends, they have series wins against Oklahoma this past weekend, Nebraska the weekend before and Arizona State, they have a midweek win against UCLA, a 10-1 win you know, pretty impressive showing there, I mean, they've been they've been playing tough teams and they've been playing well and, you know, it's a team that you know, has a, a lot of athleticism um, that can beat you in a lot of different ways you know, Garrett Hampson is, is the top prospect on that team, their shortstop, he's off to a really nice start with the bat he's batting 397 this year you know has, he's stolen eight bases i mean he's a he's a guy who's a very dynamic player and he really uh, is kind of that for yeah. them he's like
0: he's the straw you know and yeah and i'll give him the credit he's not even from vegas but i like him anyways from reno <laughs> but um you know he's the top 200 guy out of high school on the ba 500 and i know it wasn't a stellar look for him last summer with the college national team i mean honestly it was a little underwhelming. I was kind of looking for more out of Garrett Hampson. But for Long Beach State, he says that he's just been so consistent for them. other thing that he does is he's been a very reliable defender for right. them. And this is always a pitching and defense program. I see like on the mound, they're pretty solid.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what's gotten them to this point is, is their pitching and defense. I mean, you look at the, the pitching numbers, and in particular, the bullpen has been, you know, it's been a lockdown bullpen for them so far. And, you know, Chris Matheson was a guy who was great for them last year as a freshman. He's not, a great baseball name, let's face it. Yeah. I mean, Chris Matheson is like his
0: parents had him destined. I hope, he, I hope someone there is calling him Big Six. 100 year baseball nickname, joke of the day. But it uh, yeah. really is. Like, well, who should know who Christy Matheson is these days? That's 100 years ago. I I mean he's he's
1: in an um, he's an original Hall of Famer. I, I feel He was like, one of the first six. Yeah, I, I feel here. like uh, I feel like baseball fans should know.
0: I'll say that when you type in Christy on, on the Google, uh, Brinkley uh, comes up first. You don't get Matheson in your first five choices. So <laughs> yeah. people are forgetting about Christy Matheson, also nicknamed the Christian gentleman, the gentleman's hurler or Matty. I think it'd just be like C Matt these days, but but Chris Matheson, keeping his memory alive, at least for this podcast, Mike. I'm sorry.
2: Exactly. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. Christy, Christy Matheson's a little bit before my time, but uh, I am familiar with his work. We've got to get Josh
1: fun. Norris in but, here if you want somebody yeah. contemporary. I'm
2: also familiar with Christy Brinkley's work. so. Um, but, yeah, no, Chris, Chris Matthewson, you know, as a freshman, was great last year. And, uh, you know, this year he's been a little more up and down. But a, as a whole, you know, that, that staff has been, you know, pitched to a 2.86 ERA as a, as a team as a whole. So as long as they, they keep pitching and, you know, playing defense with, with the, the athleticism that they have there, they should be fine.
0: So. I, I, think you, I think you hit the big point. I mean, they've always been like a pitching first uh, program and i think that's their reputation is always going to be that with troy buckley i know they've made some changes to blair field i know it's supposed to play a little more fair but to me just talking to coach last year after right around the draft time he just thought that was their focus was trying to get more athletic um and it's going to be interesting for them because leading into conference play they got columbia coming in this weekend but it's a four-game series and, and they columbia then they, well Derek phelps uh, the uh, assistant coach in their basketball program. All-time favorite Carolina point guard. But I digress. Um, but they play Fullerton next weekend in yeah. a non-conference series. And I, I wanted to bring Fullerton into this, guys, because we've talked about Fullerton as well. Uh, every week it seems like Fullerton is right there on the cusp of our top 25. And that was one of our big debates was, do we want to bring in Long Beach State when we haven't ranked Fullerton? I think we all think Fullerton's a regional team, and if we were picking somebody – to win the Big West, I think we're still picking Fullerton, but resume right now, we've got Long Beach State slightly ahead, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to phrase it. I mean, I think we still like the Titans team, but you have to go on performance too. And I think, you know, Long Beach State's season so far has been louder than the Titans at this point. But I do still really like this Titans team. I like the pitching staff that they have. And I think, you know, kind of what they did last year too, you know, things came together at the end for them. And I think that's just the way this team is. I think they have to kind of figure things out and put the pieces together. But I think, you know, I have faith in that coaching staff and Vanderhoek that they'll be able to do that by the end of the year and be where they need to be.
0: And and Teddy, the only other part of the, the common opponent these two teams have is Arizona State. It was midweek versus weekend, but Long Beach, one, two of three against the Sun Devils, who had three walk offs by the way this weekend. Did you guys see that? They pulled. They did the exact same thing. I had someone on Twitter ask me, "Hey, has anyone ever had three walk off wins in a row here like Arizona State did this weekend?" I said, "I have the way to look this up. I know it just happened three weeks ago in Chapel Hill because we were wondering if that ever happened before, and now it's happened twice in three weeks, which is uh, pretty yeah, nuts. You got to love baseball." Um, but but today, we do have this common opponent. And Fullerton lost twice to Arizona State. So that was kind of our justification, I guess I'd say, Teddy. But you uh, share Mike's conviction that if you were, had to put money on one of those two teams to win the Big West, would it be the, one of those two teams, or would it be the Gauchos now?
1: Yeah. I, the, so the other thing about Fullerton, to get back yeah. to their resume just for a second, is that they also have a serious loss. And at Stanford, is yeah. a tough series on opening weekend. But Long Beach has won four weekends. And they did open against Holy Cross, which is not necessarily as aggressive as, uh, as Stanford. But Holy Cross has played teams really tough. Uh, they just lost three one-run games in South Florida.
0: Uh, huh. yeah. it's, a, it's a Holy Cross's world. Who knew? Them? I mean, the basketball team went in the Patriot, or the America East, or whatever the they league they are. Patriot League, I was right the first time. <laughs> I mean, you would have thought that Bill Simmons' Twitter feed would have told me more about Holy Cross, <laughs> but, but it did not. Uh, but you know, so the Big West is really competitive this year, and
1: I know if you made me bet, I I probably would just give you your money back <laughs> because you know between Long Beach and Fullerton and UCSB and Irvine for that matter, I mean it's a really tough league this year, and it's always a tough league. Right. But those those teams have all started off pretty well in uh, in non conference, and there are most of them are playing very aggressive schedules, and it you know. Buckley, Troy Buckley said last night, you know that you know, he likes playing that aggressive schedule, and you know he knows that the coaches in the conference share that. You know Dave Snow at Irvine for sure, and and Checkets at UCSB, and, and Vanderhook at, at Fullerton. You know, they all play very aggressive schedules. But Buckley made the point that you know that's great and all, but he knows this only matters if they actually you know play well in in, in conference. That that's it's only then, yeah. yeah. It's only good if it helps you, and so that they've got to. They've got to be able to apply the lessons that they're learning now in non-conference against what looks to be a very tough Big West
0: slate. I mean, certainly Mike Gillespie, correct you, Mike Gillespie, nowadays, yeah. not, other old Southern California coach. <laughs> they are, a lot of them are pretty old down there. There's some younger ones, but they're all pretty old, um, which yeah, makes it nice for me because I'm, I'm getting there too. Um, but I mean, a great example. Irvine this weekend. I didn't know we we're going to have Big West uh, talk, uh, <laughs> but I like it. I love the. I mean, I love the league. But how about you know? Again, you mentioned it. Uh, Irvine this weekend. Uh, they go to Tennessee and they got pounded the first two games by Tennessee. Great. It's a great thing for Dave Serrano, obviously used to be at Irvine. Uh, that Tennessee. We've been kind of waiting to see what Tennessee would do. This might be a good SEC segue. Um we should talk about the Spartans. But 26 runs the first two games, and then Irvine, this is just a classic Irvine thing to me and a classic Big West thing to me. A, that you're going to go on the road, play anybody, play an SEC team, uh, and B, that you're going to give up 26 runs, and then you're going to throw a shutout on Sunday. Hmm. That's just uh, that's hard to do. Um, Pitt, I saw Pitt do it against North Carolina this weekend. They give up 18 yep. runs the first uh, 11 innings with their pitching staff against North Carolina, then shut them out the rest of the way. But, um, you know, so that, that's a... A, a good sign for Irvine that they were able to arrest that uh, weekend's uh, series and uh, you know, avoid the sweep. Uh, so two, still another week until uh, – or a couple of weeks until Big West uh, conference play starts uh, for a lot of those clubs. But um, Long Beach State, the first uh, Big West team in this week uh, with Fullerton, uh among those teams that's on the outside looking in. But like you said, in that, in that league going to be pretty stout. Um, we've got two Big Ten teams ranked this week. Uh, Michigan remains in the rankings in a very strong uh, week for the, for the Wolverines. They swept uh, Hawaii. Um, but Michigan State gets into the rankings, and I guess the main reason that, uh, you know, to me, Michigan State coached boss, the program has just been so consistent over the years. It feels like their RPI is always in that 45 to 60 range by the time the, the, the season's over. Obviously, like a lot of other northern teams, they haven't played a home game yet. Um, they, I don't know that they have a signature win, I guess. Yet Teddy, I guess their their signature was being in Pensacola for that weekend and shutting out Auburn and Troy back to back. But they, you know, they they had a, their only loss of the year was also that weekend against Southern Miss. Um, what's what's the you know what what is the what do the Spartans hang their hat on for the 2016 version?
1: Yeah the the unfortunate thing is that they are kind of lacking a marquee series win because they haven't played any series because uh, right yeah. The, in a quirk of scheduling, their first 14 games have been all in these these uh, early season tournaments, so they've played 14 different teams. And they've gone 13-1, and won, and they've collected some pretty solid wins along the way. Uh, UCF, Auburn, Troy, Florida Gulf Coast, these are all solid wins that, that are going to help them RPI-wise, and already are helping them. If you look at the early RPI stuff, which is, you know, tenuous at this point, but they're a top 10 RPI team at this point, and uh, you know, that, that's big for them as they look to potentially put themselves in, in the mix for an out-large bid, which has been, you know, an iffy thing for them in the past. But if if a northern school like that is already so high in the RPI that, um, you know, they, they, should, they, they should be able to collect a few more solid wins there in the Big Ten and, and potentially position themselves better this year.
0: You know, I just the thing that jumps out to me about Michigan State is, uh, you know, I ranked. I did the Texas Collegiate League last summer. I, la- I ranked a couple there, uh, arms with some with some real promise. Ethan Landon and Dakota, I think it's pronounced Meckis, uh both redshirt sophomores, and those two guys are both off the great starts. I know that they like their pitching. Uh, I'm going to pull a JJ here and butcher another guy's name, but Cam Vo, I guess it is Vo. He, I mean, he's been outstanding for them, but Landon. Big arm, six foot six out of their uh in their rotation, has pitched well. He's pitching as he was advertised last summer, stays tall in the delivery, stays down the zone, gets ground balls, and have a lot of strikeouts. But Dakota Meccas has been outstanding out of their bullpen 15 and a 30 innings, two hits, 26 strikeouts. That'll uh, get the job done. That, he's pounds. getting the job done. So they're yeah. overall, yeah, yeah, he's walked some guys, <laughs> but there's uh, he's, he's like a college version of Tyler Glasnow. I mean, uh. Very hard to hit. Uh, three true outcomes kind of guy. Well, hopefully not the home runs. Um, but a great it's been a great start for them on the mound. 216 ERA. And again, they're not pitching ever at home. It's very hard to get in a routine when your routine is always – who when you've played 14 different teams, no series, tournament baseball. It's like they're playing travel ball or something like that here. I, I just think it's harder to be consistent under those circumstances. And so far – And again, a testament to those players, their toughness, and to the coaching staff. And now they do get into series play. They're at South Florida, and then Big Ten play starts with that Big Big Ten rivalry, Spartans-Rutgers. I hate expanded conferences. Um, And they have another RPI opportunity because they've got Oregon at home this weekend Mm -hmm. again, uh, two weekends from now, I should say. Um, So that's going to be interesting. Uh, So I I like the Spartans. I like what they've done so far. When we looked at them preseason – I know we discussed them for the preseason top twenty-five. I liked their pitching again. It was based off. Okay, what did I know? What did I report? I, I knew those two guys, and just looking at their questionnaire, it did seem like they had some some pitching potential there. So far, so good for the Spartans. Yeah, getting a
1: uh, Cam Villa, I believe it's via back. You're the um, French expert yeah, in the office. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> getting him back for this season was big. That gives them a, an experienced arm on Friday night, and um, you know they've they've gotten some guys to step up offensively and. Yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good club and and they're very well coached. Jake Boss is uh, is maybe one of the more underrated coaches, um, even in the Big Ten, where where there are a lot of solid coaches. But you know he's he's done a great job with that program.
0: I think I would call him Jake Bouse, Um if I saw him in person, and he would probably <laughs> say, "Yeah, I've never heard that before." So, <laughs> um, Baseball America College Podcast with Mike and Teddy. I'm John, and I wanted to remind you that we're sponsored by SeatGeek. And if you've ever been frustrated by trying to buy tickets online, you realize that a lot of sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. They've taken the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. Uh, SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you can save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if ticket prices fall. I mean, that's even the case here at the PNC Arena, uh, just doing a radio hit this morning and uh, they were talking about Garth Brooks and his three shows over in Raleigh and SeatGeek would have told you if you were a Garth Brooks fan I'm not a Garth Brooks fan, I'm more of a Chris Gaines guy myself but they would have told you that uh, which night Garth Brooks had the best price available, the best seats available if you want to get your Garth Brooks fix SeatGeek was the way to get it and even better every ticket on SeaGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats Before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. And best of all, SeatGeek's always honest and upfront about price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek allows you to to see the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Baseball America podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So to get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, Enter promo code BA20, that's the letters B and A, and the numbers 2 and 0. Seageek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free Seageek app and enter promo code BA20 today. And we, again, welcome Seageek as a sponsor of our uh, podcast here at Baseball America. Don't forget, Thursday is our pro podcast with myself and JJ Cooper and J.J. will be coming to you uh, from Florida as he starts his spring training tour. Um, speaking of Florida, guys, let's go to the top of the rankings real quick. Uh, heavy SEC presence as usual. Uh, Florida, Texas A&M, uh, obviously Vanderbilt's uh, checking in at number five, LSU at seven. I guess the news on, those, on the SEC front this weekend, guys, I mean, was there big news on the SEC front? Seems like it was pretty much a chalk weekend. A lot of teams playing fairly weaker competition in preparation for SEC play starting next uh, conference play starting this weekend.
2: Yeah, I mean I think it was it was pretty much status quo for the SEC this week. You know I think it was a pretty easy decision for the most part keeping it chalk at, in, in the top ten uh, in our poll. You know I think the only. The only thing that, you know, maybe caught at least my eye was LSU and Ball State that series. You know, Ball State takes that first game and then, yeah. you know, they're leading in that second game a chance to, you know, if they had taken that series, you know, there would have been some shuffling there. But That would have been epic. Yeah, it would have been. But LSU, you know, clawed back and and won the rest of that series, so that was certainly an interesting thing, and Teddy's shaking his head over here, so let's go ahead and let him weigh in. <laughs> the, the Ball
1: State grad in the room knew that that was a one-time deal. Look, I, the Ball State, you know, incredible win on Friday night, great job by by the Cardinals, but Rich Maloney threw all of his bullets that one game. You know, they, they were leading, and he put in his Saturday starter, Zach Pleszak, out of the bullpen to... Closed that game out and it worked, but that meant that they did not have the pitching the rest of the weekend. Like, this is what happens to MAC schools, and um, you know, I, I know people were very impressed by that, but that's what that's what Ball State does. You know, they go down and, and they win games like this every once in a while. I thought um, you were gonna
0: say, like, uh, football and crap cakes, that's what Ball State does. So, yeah. <laughs> well, they definitely don't do football,
1: no bowl wins in school history. <laughs> Yikes,
0: um, it's but like South Carolina pre Brad Scott, yeah. yeah.
1: But, you know, that, so that was a good win for Ball State, but LSU, um, you know, showing well, coming back and, um, you know, getting getting the job done. They've had some scares this year. Uh, Sac, Sac State took a game off of them, and Cincinnati yeah. on opening day, they required opening or uh, extra yeah, innings to, to win that. And, uh, you know, so LSU uh, still kind of figuring it out with all those young young players, but the one team that really stood out for me in the SEC this weekend was Mississippi State. And, you know, what they did to Oregon, sweeping, sweeping Oregon in Starkville, and just the way they did it, hammering Oregon's starting pitching, I mean, that was, to me, the... That
0: was, it, like, the biggest series of the weekend, basically.
1: And yeah. I think that was one of the most impressive series wins, period, this year. You know, Ole Miss beating Louisville and Miami, or uh, Florida beating Miami in Miami, uh, and then that, like those three, are like the standout series to me so far this year.
0: You know, let's let's focus on the Bulldogs and the and the Ducks because uh, maybe Duck Nation won't notice because they have a number one seed in the basketball tournament. <laughs> but if you are a baseball fan of Oregon, and if that, that's probably who listens to this podcast is baseball fans, um, I, would so. I would hope so. Yeah. If you're a baseball fan, <laughs> um, don't you have to be concerned that this is the same old story for Oregon? I mean, all their eggs are in the pitching basket and at some point they got to figure out the offensive piece. I mean, it didn't seem like they were so off on the on that piece until this weekend. But once their pitching just got drilled and I mean, I mean, you have to give Mississippi State, I mean, we should give Mississippi State credit again in a minute. I want to talk about what they did right offensively what's the deal with with Michigan I mean with uh, with Michigan with, with, with Oregon what's up with this team why can't they hit yeah i there are
1: five starters right now hitting under 200 as a team they it's are under. hitting it's it's bad and it's been like this for a while now you know i don't know what it is exactly i know that park is built for pitching and so in some respects they're building their team to play to their park but mm. This is why they haven't broken through yet basically is that you know the since the program has restarted they've been built on pitching and it's been very good and they've just never been able to put that next piece with it you know the hitting piece to to make this a complete team and Mississippi State can pitch you know Dakota Hudson is for real on Friday night and you know they got good pitching all weekend but Oregon wasn't hitting against UCSB or Illinois State or San Diego State either yeah, they th- this is bit not bit, new. Yeah, they hit
0: a little bit against San Diego State in the first game. And it seems like this weekend, they're in that first game against uh, Mississippi State. It's 5-4 in the 8th. You scra- you know, what a top 25 game should be. And let's real quick throw some kudos George Horton's away for the scheduling. He doesn't have to go to Mississippi State, and he doesn't have to go to Mississippi State. They've got a great park on campus. They can play early in the year. It may not ideal. But Coach Horton, to his credit, they t- they'll go anywhere and play anybody, Wherever, and I think this is really cool that they went to Mississippi State and played it four different names ballpark. What is it, Dement Field at Duty Duty Noble Stadium with Dement Field, I think that's yeah. you know what it is. Yeah. Um, and Hudson struck out nine against them, but and yeah, they give up the five runs in the eighth inning, and it seems like they weren't competitive the rest of the weekend, Mike. I mean, I, I yeah. like the way that it, on paper, I mean, Matt Croon's a highly regarded freshman. Goldfarb, Craig Saint Louis, AJ Balta—they've got some guys who've done some things, yeah. offensively in college. But I, I guess what, how crippling do you think this will be for Oregon? Do you think Oregon can come back from this kind of series and this kind of poor offensive start and still be competitive in the Pac-12?
2: I think it'll help returning home. You know, starting obviously they're starting Pac-12 play, but they're playing Utah, which. You know they've they've got some talent, but isn't the obviously right. one of the top teams in the Pac-12? So I think it'll help returning home to pitcher friendly confines there, um, and get their pitching staff back on track because obviously that's what they need to to win. Well, um, they didn't help this week either. This right. was
0: not their best uh, not their best work. Right,
2: right. But, you know, you, you look at their offense, and yeah, I mean, it is, it is certainly uh, not a good sign to have five stars hitting below 200, and then another start hitting exactly 200, so. Uh, and they,
0: they struck out 30 times yeah. this weekend. I mean, Dakota Hudson was part of that, but they struck out 15 times on Saturday. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it was just a pretty ugly series, and I guess it says a lot also about Mississippi State. I mean, a team that went, you know, again, kudos on their schedule as well. Went out to Dodger Town, or not to Dodger Town, Went out to the Dodger Stadium Classic right. last weekend. Um, I, know, I guess I'm, I guess I'm changing the question, but is this more of a good sign for Mississippi State in your mind, or more of a bad sign for Oregon?
2: You know, I think it's that's that's a good question. You know, I think I think there there definitely need to be some concerns with this Oregon offense now. Just the fact that they're they're reeling so much. I mean, they've had a couple of flashes. The first game against Santa Barbara, they scored 13 runs, and right. you know, there's some you know, optimism after the game that, okay, the bats have finally arrived, and then after that, they, they don't score, you know, a lick after that, so, you know, I mean, there's there's talent there, I mean, Matt, Matt Kroon, as you mentioned, is a is a, is a very talented freshman yeah. they have, and someone who George Horton was talking about, even though the numbers don't jump out, he's been a, a clutch hitter for them, uh, you know, at times this season, you know, A.J. Balta, you know, I had some Pac-12 coaches tell me he thought that they thought that he would make a huge difference for them this year, having him back after missing all of last year. And you know, he did early on. He did make a difference early on, and he has four home runs on the season. But that's you know, four of his that's nine hits. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> four. Of, you know, four of his nine hits are, are home runs. So yeah, and then obviously Phil Craig, St. Louis. too. I mean you expect a little bit more out of him after you know what he's shown in the past? So it, it is strange Take to see two names and
0: stick with them.
2: Yeah, exactly. So you know, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna hit better. Um, and they have been only because there's really only one place to go but up, I would think, right. at this point. You know, you would hope that they would hit a little bit better, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, Teddy, I
0: think you have your tough. doubts about the, about the Duck offense. I do,
1: and they don't have time to get it figured out. They have Utah this weekend, and that is it. Because then they go to Washington, which is a solid team that can pitch. Then they go to Michigan State. Then they have Cal coming in. And then USC. And USC has not started that well, but Southern Cal can play baseball. And then they go to UCLA, so they Pitch. need to figure it out now. They need to get going fast, and you know the pitching is going to—it's going to help them stay in these games. And West Coast games are are often you know very tight games because everyone pitches and plays defense, and um, you know wants to you know be aggressive on the base paths and, and manufacture runs. Uh, you know it's just a little bit different than what the Ducks saw this weekend at, at Mississippi State, but. They don't have time to mess around anymore. That this is this is the meat of the schedule now.
0: Yeah, and uh, to, to bring this back to the SEC, Mississippi State doesn't. They've kind of been building up last weekend with Oklahoma, um, UCLA, USC in the Dodger Stadium Classic. This week, Oregon. So they've had basically two weeks in a row of some West Coast ball, and they jump right into SEC play at Vanderbilt. Guys, I mean, we all know how talented Vanderbilt is year in and year out. We know about their depth. What kind of read do we really have on Vanderbilt so far this year? They've played a pretty light schedule with the one series against uh, Stanford. They lost to Tristan Beck, who's a pretty special freshman. Um, But otherwise, I think that's their only loss. Mm -hmm. Um, They open at home in SEC play, which is pretty nice for them. Uh, what kind of test is Mississippi State going to give them, and what, what do you think of Vanderbilt so far, Teddy? I mean, what's a, what's our read on, on the Commodores? Well, I think it, it's
1: going to be a good test for them. They uh, they have played an interesting schedule. I think they attempted to play a decent schedule. Uh, San Diego did not provide them much of a test on opening weekend, but that's that's pretty typically a, a good team. And yeah. um, from there, um, UIC. If you're going to play a Horizon League team, that's one of the two to play, Right. and uh, then Xavier this weekend was was a little iffier, But you know, they tried to play two midweeks against Radford, well they did play them. But you know Radford last year was really good; this year yeah. not so good.
0: And then lead, Vanderbilt leads the SEC right now in in run score. They lead the league in walks. They're among the league leaders in stolen bases. They're among the league leaders in home runs. Um, I know the focus usually is on the pitching, and with good reason. Feels like offensively, Vanderbilt's maybe a little bit more potent than I was thinking.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, that's reasonable. You know, the losing Dansby yeah. and uh, Rhett Wiseman and Xander Wheel was in the regular lineup
0: for you know two three years. It feels like.
1: Yeah, I mean, so losing those guys, uh, you know, they have not really suffered so far without them. That you know, and, and they shouldn't really. I mean. When I talked preseason about them losing Dansby and how important that was, you know, some of it was the bat, but a lot of it was just that he's a presence and he's a leader, and right. you have to replace that. Uh, but you know, they have so much offensive talent with Jaron Kendall and Brian Reynolds and Alonzo Jones has come in and just raked. And yeah,
0: he's been really good so far.
1: And some of their uh, older players who in the past have been a little more complimentary have taken steps forward to. You know, to fill some of these holes, and you know, there's Will Toffee at third base too. There's a lot. There's just so much talent to be had there that the fact that they're hitting is not that surprising to me. But the pitching staff that they're going to face this weekend um, is probably the best one they've faced. Stanford is a good staff, I think. Mississippi State probably has more.
0: Wasn't it Kyle Smith last year for Vanderbilt? Mike in Omaha, who like. They pinch hit him like in a super crucial part of the College was, Series Finals.
2: Yeah, I think it was the he was the last batter. The last in the college World Series, he was the was, last out. Yeah, that was like
0: his first at bat of the whole series. But I remember early in the series when I was there, <laughs> watching him take BP and talking to the Kyle Parkers and their SID and then their coaching staff. His BP was ridiculous. He's I mean, got some pop. He's a beast. He's got three home runs so far this year. So He's been a nice story for them. Yeah, so it's so it, it's, it's neat to see, and I believe he's another one of their hockey guys, too. I mean, like yeah. uh, This is like the year of college baseball players <laughs> with hockey ties. So we've talked about that on the podcast. But, it, again, this, it is neat to see that there's this next wave um, of Vanderbilt players. And it's not just the guys who... Have started early, it's, it's a new guy. I mean, this is a senior, Kyle Smith, who's never been a big role player, uh, and never played a big role, I should say, for Vanderbilt. But you could see that they had high, they, they thought highly of his talent. He just didn't really have a chance to play. Now that he's getting a chance, he's off to a good start.
2: Right. Well, it just goes to show you how deep they've been the past couple of years that they have players like this that have just been biding their time on the bench, waiting yeah. for a chance to play. You know, I think the, the the biggest thing that stood out to me about Vanderbilt and you know, obviously aside from the guys on the offensive side like Jerry Kendall and Reynolds and, and those guys, I kind of I believed in them coming into this year. I, I I'm not surprised with what they've done, but I think it's been great to see from a Vanderbilt perspective that Jordan Sheffield has come into that Friday night role and they haven't missed a beat. I mean Carson fulmer is a tough guy to replace yes. i mean one of the toughest guys in college baseball to, to replace and you know He's like the,
0: dansby without hair yeah that's a, i'm sorry it's a mean dig. it's at carson's it. hair but i mean you know yeah, he I only think, has think, he only has one weakness i think he knows that yeah he, his hair is not said that's the only that's the dude's only weakness i mean carson fulmer as a college pitcher was ridiculous and they have to yeah. replace him and oh by the way it's Guys with 397.
2: Yeah, no. The fact that they have, and they're not even fully healthy on the mound too. You know, they don't have all their all their weapons, and right. they're still pitching so well. And you know, you look at at Jordan Sheffield's numbers, and you know, the thing that really stands out to me is strikeout to walk ratio, thirty six to seven.
0: That's been that was the worry. The worry yeah. was the command, and I think it'll be tested more against better competition and in the SEC. But right, so far, obviously, so good. He's made four starts, and two of them finished the shutout. So yeah. Um, and so next week's SEC slate, that's the big series to me. It does have Alabama at LSU, Arkansas at South Carolina, at number two Texas A&M at Auburn, Ole Miss at Tennessee, Kentucky at Georgia, Missouri at Florida. Any of those other series jump out to you guys? It seems like Tennessee, like we've been waiting on Tennessee. Nick Senzel's made this leap this year. He's number two on our draft rankings overall. Um, Vincent Jackson finally is a senior, really productive. They scored – as we mentioned earlier, twenty six runs this weekend against uh, Irvine in the first two games of that series, but couldn't finish that out. Did they have a shot at upsetting uh, Ole Miss? Ole Miss has played so well to this point. Yeah, Ole
1: Miss is one of the hottest teams in the country right now. So hot right now, um, <laughs> and they—I uh, mean that that series is is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, Ole Miss has pitched really well, but you know, Tennessee's offense—you know—I've said it before—it's more than just Nick Sensel. Yeah, and you know, there's there's a lot to shut down there, um, and Ole Miss. But Ole Miss has handled stuff. You know, they they beat Louisville in a series. They went to Coastal for one of their tournaments and and swept the whole you know swept their their slate of games there. So you know Ole Miss has been tested and and they're going to be a, a good challenge there for Tennessee. But I, I would think Ole Miss would would be able to handle that. One series uh, that I'm interested in seeing for sure is Arkansas and South Carolina. South Carolina has a lot of wins, but outside of Clemson, which they lost, they haven't really played much of anybody and. You know that changes now for sure, and so we're we're going to see. We had a lot. We've had questions about South Carolina from the beginning. We've talked about them in the rankings every week since the preseason. But you know the questions are still there, and so this weekend, for real, they have to get answered because right. Arkansas is a good team coming into Columbia.
0: Yeah, Albany, Charleston Southern, Penn State. Those are their other three series wins. I mean, they probably should go. If not, fifteen and zero. Hey, you know. It's difficult to win 15 games against anybody in college, or 14 games, whatever they've played against those teams, to win all those games. But uh, I think there are other teams that have better resumes than South Carolina, but we'll really get a little bit better read on it this weekend. Uh, Let's wrap up, guys, just uh, what we saw around here, because we all were at games. uh, North Carolina and Pittsburgh, NC State and Boston College, Duke and Virginia. I guess the main storylines are, A, there were no sweeps in any uh, uh, any of those three series. B, Connor Jones and Matt Theis. Virginia at, at the top of this defending national championship team. Still very, very good. <laughs> very, very impressive. And I guess the other storyline is Boston College coming down and shutting down NC State. Shutting them out twice uh, to win that weekend series. I guess the, really the biggest surprise is BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw BC. Did you see BC at all this yeah, weekend Yeah, I saw
1: him Friday and he was there the next two days. And Mike is driving the driving the bus. Is, is that is that what you're uh, going with on BC? Yeah, you know, I've been uh I've been on the
2: BC train since uh the end of last year. I've been saving the T, right?
0: In uh in Boston, isn't it the T, the transit? Y- yes. I think yeah. it is. So you're on the T. I guess I'm on the <laughs> T. I'm
2: not I'm not very familiar with uh Boston modes of transportation, but you know <laughs> Yeah, am my so, apparently because I'm yeah. out wondering about it. So. Yeah, but in any event, you know, after after seeing them last year and knowing what they would return, I had a I had a good feeling that they could surprise some people this year. You know, I didn't want to go out on a limb and say they they were a regional team or anything like that. I don't. I still wouldn't go that far quite yet. I still let's wait and see with them. But you know, they do have a lot of talent on that pitching staff. You know, starting with Mike King on Friday, who you know was. You know, shut out NC State. You know, and then and then you look at the other arms. Justin Dunn uh, right. in their bullpen. He's their closer, but he's kind of a, a Swiss Army knife for them. They could they could start him if they need to, and they can also extend him, which they did the yesterday.
0: Old, the old Wayne Graham phrase of uh, moment of truth. it's Your moment of truth reliever. I think he took it from Bill James, but um, <laughs> you know, you have a closer, but who it could be a one inning guy. But your moment of truth reliever is the guy that you use whenever you think the game's going to be decided. Right. And that's kind of how Mike Gambino used Justin Dunn and. Uh, he felt he could get the last three outs without Dunn. He needed just a Dunn to get ten outs in the middle of the game right. and preserve that lead, which I also saw with uh, Pittsburgh. I don't know if Joe Giordano used, uh, calls Garrett Ramble his moment of truth guy. Um, <laughs> but he did come in in the fifth inning and pitch the rest of the way in that combined shot they had in North Carolina on Sunday. But but Dunn Dunn's also a prospect. I mean, he throws in the low 90s. I know he had some command issues on on Sunday, but I mean, he's a guy for them—not you know, just a guy for college baseball, but a guy for the next level as well.
2: Yeah, well, he was, you know, on Sunday, and, I've, and it was kind of a similar case last year when I, when I saw him. But he was ninety-two to ninety-six yeah. uh, yesterday wow. um, with two different breaking balls. Kind of a, a harder low-eighties slider—that that's the better pitch—and then he can also flip in a you know a high-seventies curveball as well. You know, he's a guy who has you know he has a starter's repertoire. He could be a starter at the next level. And you know, talking to Gambino after the game, he really thinks he is a starter. At the next level that a team could use him in that way but you know they need him to be that moment of truth reliever as you're talking about and that's what he was on sunday did you they know, start
0: jacob stevens in that game they
2: did and he hasn't given up a run in 22 and two-thirds innings
0: i mean this guy's a beast 6 248 plays yeah. this to that i mean come on yeah Where did they find these guys and he's you know they probably played hockey
2: yeah <laughs> you know and the thing with jacob stevens is you know he's not a guy. He's not gonna blow the ball by you. I mean he's eighty-seven to, to eighty-nine. You know okay. I didn't I didn't see any nineties from him, but well, he's eighteen. so yeah. <laughs> let's give him time. You yeah, know? I mean he keeps the ball low mm-hmm. in the zone and uh, throws strikes. And you know obviously it's been working for him. He hasn't given up an earned run. You know at all in his in his college career. Yep. So and it was
0: sounded on the radio. I mean you were there, but it was kind of like a very old school approach in the ninth inning where they bring in their right fielder to close. Mm-hmm. And then when he struggled. It's like shifting everywhere. Everybody else has moving positions. You know, was, yeah. You know, so BC doesn't have great depth, but you know they're going to have toughness. Mm-hmm. The quality northeast programs have—that's what they pride themselves on—and they've also got a good catch and throw guy and Shortino behind the plate. They—they mm-hmm. feel like they're a regional team, or at least a—and this will help. Man, right. They haven't played anybody. Their schedule to this point did not indicate and will not help their RPI. Correct, Eddie? It's not. It is. Horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw,
1: when I looked yesterday, it was like 296 on Warren Nolan. It's it's bad. but so they're going to
0: have to make hay in the league. This is a great way to start. I mean, to, yeah.
1: to even be in this conversation... This is a team that hasn't made the ACC tournament in like five years. So to even come out and show up at a ranked school on opening weekend of conference play without having gone home to play a game yet, because you can't play games in Boston in February, you know, they this, this was important for them. And, you know, it, it can't be overlooked that, you know, they, that they did this. We've got to see them keep it up now, but right. it's, a, it's a very nice start for them. And
0: it doesn't get easier. They have two more road series to start league play. Yeah. I mean, uh, one more said. Well, they yeah, they're at Clemson and they're at Pitt. Yeah. I mean, so three straight road series to start league play, if they can survive that. And then, of course, at home, they've got Florida State and Virginia <laughs> And Louisville. The schedule does them zero favors. Um, that's probably how they like it. I mean, that's how they're going to yeah. tell themselves. that Those are the yeah. games in front of them. So if BC uh, makes it to regionals, it's going to be fairly heroic. I don't blame them for playing a, a, a quote-unquote weak non-conference schedule because that is uh, a hellacious <laughs> re- <laughs> ACC schedule. Yeah. Um, What's the takeaway for the Wolfpack guys? We've we thought pretty highly of NC State. Uh, this is probably where we should leave it. Um, but to to get shut out twice, I thought their offense was a little bit would be a little bit better for than that. But I guess our concern with them really was who is the star on this team? And I guess another question was defense. And Friday, their defense let them down. Joe Danail with three errors at shortstop. Yeah. yeah. And Sunday, their veterans let them down. Bases loaded, nobody out. Palmero and Kisner don't get the the. Tying or winning runs home, they don't get any runs home. I mean, this weekend was pretty much every concern that I had about North Carolina State
1: showing up. Yeah, they don't have a Friday night starter. They've lost three of their four um, Friday nights. They have lost. Yeah, you can't win in college baseball if you don't win on Friday night. You have to be competitive, and you know you have to you have to start series well, and and they haven't. And you know it's the you know who who can they rely on in in moments of, of truth on offense. You know they're trying to play Joe Donahue at shortstop after moving him from third base. He was not good on Friday. I know he's been better than that. That was the worst he's been, but that was not good. It, it's a team that has some things to figure out.
0: Yeah, and that's not a good way to start ACC play when you when you start off with your first ACC game as a shortstop and you boot three balls. And I think they're better than that. Um, but I was surprised that they. I wasn't surprised that BC was competitive. I was very surprised that NC State got shut out twice. I didn't see that happening. So that was just not expected for me. I'm sure it wasn't expected for LA And, Ava, and their ACC schedule doesn't get a lot easier either. I know they're, they've complained about the strength of their yeah. schedule.
1: One, uh, one quick thing on one of the, their previous Friday night opponents, Jesse Shultons at Wright State. Yeah, He threw a perfect game against Dayton on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time uh, in school history for, for a perfect game. Uh, first no-hitter at the school in a really long time as well, and uh, so that was obviously a really well-pitched game for for him and and for Wright State. That was uh, a, a nice moment, and uh, you know, Coach Greg Lovelady said it couldn't have happened to a to a better guy. That he's one of the best teammates he's ever been around.
0: Well, it's a pretty neat video. You can see how crazy they're. They went for it. Yeah. Uh, the video that I watched, it was a very 2016 video because they were running out from the dugout, and then at the last second, somebody just sticks their head right in the camera. I mean, like, <laughs> make sure I'm in this Vine video that's going to go out to everybody. Um, last thing I did want to touch on: uh, Houston, a team that we have had some has had some difficulties. We've stood by the Cougars in our rankings. They, they had a good weekend and, and some news on their front as well, of getting getting healthier getting, well, healthier, getting back to full strength. Well, Eddie.
1: yeah, Seth Romero, who had been suspended for the first couple weeks, uh, returned to action a little little bit ago, but this was the first weekend that they had him in the Saturday role behind Andrew Landtrip. And that was the one-two punch that we expected them to have at the start of the season. That's why we thought they were the American favorites. And without him, they had struggled. They lost five in a row at one point. Uh, but getting him back, getting him and Landtrip going, and they went for sure this weekend against Alabama. Um, big, big big win for them. Yeah, the yeah. top it, twenty-five series, and it's big for them to to just have that and to know that that's back. And
2: just one thing, one note on Andrew Lantrip here, who's their Friday ace and has been excellent this year. His strikeout-to-walk ratio, thirty-two to one.
0: Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that <laughs> on Friday night. I will take it in a box. I will take it with a fox. I mean, that's uh, I take it here or there. Um, <laughs> Two notes before we sign out. Long Beach State in the rankings for the first time since the final poll in 2008. It's a long time ago. I did not realize Long Beach State had been out of the rankings that long. I, I, this is not a surprise. Michigan State ranked for the first time since April eleventh, 1988. That's back before Jim Callis had kids. I, mean, was, I think that's before Jim Callis was doing Baseball America's college top 25. I think he was still in college at that time, actually. He might have just started at BA. But that, the point is that's a long freaking time ago. So kudos to the Spartans for being in our rankings for the first time in 28 years. Uh, and thank you for putting up with all my tangents, guys. Uh, I think you know that's part and parcel of doing the college <laughs> podcast, and uh, the beatings will continue for the next 10 weeks. So, again, thanks to SeatGeek for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks to Mike and Teddy and Jim Schoener who wasn't on the podcast for all their hard work this weekend. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next Monday on the next Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody.